Keep it real with Alexander Garrett. This song has energized me all day long. Do you know why? Because last night I saw my beautiful girlfriend, Gabriella. Uh, and by the way, and honestly, no other woman has made me feel like this before. Uh, even to the point where going out didn't seem fun. Because she was sleeping... And I just looked at her and I thought, man, I am very blessed. I'm very lucky to have her in my life. And let me tell you, it is so much more of a better path to be in the arms or to hold a loved one than to go out and try and find a loved one or try and be cool. I mean, you could just be cool and be loved at the same time. And that's how I feel with Gabriella. So want to give a shout out to her before getting started here on Keep It With Alexander Garrett tonight. Uh, you know, this whole Adam Shift thing's become a disaster. You know, I don't even want to talk politics. It's the weekend. We got football. We got baseball. We got the final regular season series for Every major league team. We've got Pete Alonzo still on the track to possibly break Aaron Judge's rookie record of 52 homers or at least tie it. And a story no one really covered this week, which is much more interesting than what's going on in Washington, is in our own backyard. As the Long Island, the Long Island Islanders, the New York Islanders broke ground at Belmont Park and here to discuss it with me is Jim Baumbach. Welcome back, Jim, and long time no see from Newsday. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me back on. It's been way too long, but I'm glad you're here to talk about probably the biggest day in Islander history that doesn't include a Stanley Cup championship. And it is, because obviously right now you have commuters literally going to Brooklyn to watch this team, and that's not ideal for anybody. Now... There's been a groundbreaking at Belmont Park, which was also a long time in the making, was it not? It was. I mean, when you think about the Islanders and their history, I mean, they've been looking for a new arena, their own arena, uh, a modern arena for several decades. I mean, I've, I've gone back and looked at stories and they were start. They first started talking about upgrading the Coliseum to get it modernized in the mid 80s. So they started looking then, and then in the mid-90s, it became more of a concern because the Coliseum was starting to really decay. Then in the 2000s, we started hearing about different plans, none of which came to fruition, and obviously led to the Islanders going to Brooklyn, which was, uh, you know, obviously kept them in the New York area and is the reason why they're still here today, but it was not ideal by any uh, any uh, imagination. And, and But at the end of the day, they got their arena. They got the arena they've been after, and it's going to be a, a, 
uh, obviously not just brand new, but it's going to be state of the art. It's uh, and it, it, it's uh, it's the end of a long road. Now, obviously, there are still uh, lawsuits pending. There is still some obstacles, but they broke ground. And, and as I told uh, John Ledecky that day, that you know that that's a day that I think many people thought was never going to occur. Uh, of course, and even Naira was a little, wor- you know, they weren't sure what was going on. No one was really sure what was going on. Now, Lula Amarillo, Barry Trotz will take this team to Belmont Park in the near future. But let's talk about the preseason so far. How was the crowd like on September 17th? Did you happen to go to that game? I was not there. Uh, I, I'm interested in that same question as you because uh, it's funny how my uh, job works uh, is that I'm, I'm the sports reporter who doesn't cover sports. So uh, what the crowd is like is something of interest to me, uh, especially with Islander games and especially as they try to grow their fan base. Because keep in mind, this is a, a team that, for for the large part, uh, franchise-wise, has not been good for many years. Now, obviously, they were very good last year. They've had stops and spurts uh, you know, in, re- in recent years. But for the most part, I mean, they, they just broke that uh, string of not winning a postseason series just a couple of years ago. I mean, first time in, in, in what felt like uh, forever, first time in a generation, really. Uh, so, so in terms of what happens in the preseason, it, it's funny you ask that because I would be interested to see what the fan situation is like more so than actually what's happening on the ice. And remember, when John Tavares came back, everybody was at that game, it seemed like, just to boo him. And, and of course, they had a magical win with Laner and Nett. I mean, that was such a great win for the Islanders considering the magnitude of Tavares coming back. But it showed the crowd still go to Islander games. Yeah, yeah. And one thing I took note of, um, you know, from the other day from the groundbreaking, just to back up for a second, um, you know, I I mentioned before about the Islander fans and, and, uh, you know, basically, you know, some people uh, will refer to it as a sleeping giant because they, you know, they they have not been going to games. Um, You know, history has shown that their attendance is always in the bottom two, bottom three. Uh, and that included, you know, I remember when they moved to Brooklyn and, and the first month I was looking at the attendance and I said, Ooh, this is not a good sign because usually the first year at a new arena, you, you want to sell out. I mean, because there's that, that novelty effect, the, uh, the, the interest in it. So the Islanders, um, the, the question that no one can answer is when Belmont is built, what will the fan base be like? Will they show up? Uh, because they haven't proven that they would show up even at the Coliseum last year. Uh, it, it was great atmospheres, but they did not sell out every game, and the and the, and the stands was only thirteen thousand nine hundred uh, seats. Right. So there is a there is a growing that they need to do. So that's my preface for saying that Bettman, Gary Bettman, the NHL commissioner, at the groundbreaking the other day, said that the the season ticket base right now today is more than twice what it was a year ago today, and that's pretty impressive for for an Islanders team that that has to do the work to to build that fan base. Well. And you know what's amazing? I think Laura Curran helped this team out a lot by getting at least the first round to Nassau Coliseum. Yeah, I know. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it that the, uh, as unusual as that setup was, and that there's you cannot stress how unusual that is to have two different home ices, one of them in a different borough. Uh, you know, it's just a very bizarre setup. You have to admit, though, it, it did work in the sense that well, number one, they played well in both arenas. They were pretty much you know on par with their with their records. But number two, the Coliseum was a novelty, and and it, it is a way for them to go back home a little bit. Be on, before, as 
they build this new arena. And, and there's going to be more games there this year. And it, It's just a, in a weird way, I think if you asked me about it beforehand, I would have been like, I don't know how this is going to work out. But in a, in a weird way, I think it, uh, I think it did work. Um, you know, it, it, and again, I, I, I think it's just weird. That's the best way to describe it. Now, I'm going to get back to the groundbreaking and where they go from here in one second, but I got a, a bit of a story. So I was sitting next to a few people on opening night uh, at Brooklyn against the Blackhawks, I guess it was 2015, and I said, you guys come from Long Island. Do you think others will start coming here uh, even if they're not doing well? They said they have to do well if people are going to go to Brooklyn. And I think that was the main thing. Like There was a big worry they weren't going to do well and they weren't going to sell out because who would go from Long Island to Brooklyn if the team was struggling? Yeah, and the, the you know, uh, the one thing about Brooklyn is that, you know, there's the arena was obviously not made for hockey, but it was still a, a first class uh, arena with first class amenities. You know, you're not going to you walk around the Coliseum and you get, you know, bumped up with people. Bathroom lines are so long. Concession lines are so long. It's still uh, the makeup of what it was. Um, that being said, it, it's better today with the renovation than it was in, in 2015. Uh, but, the, you know, Barclays, you'd never have that happening. Uh, it was a little awkward with the, uh, you know, the seats obstructed in some areas and also the square Cool board being off center, but, but I think you could deal with that. I think what really hurt the Islanders uh, in that setup was just that you had to take the train. You really couldn't drive. You had to take the train, and the train wasn't always the most convenient way. Now here at Belmont, uh, people people like to criticize the the new train line a little bit, and they say that yes, uh, it, you know the new train line that's going to have this Elmont station and North Lot. You need to take a, a shuttle bus from there to get to the arena. Um, you know, if you're if you're going um, if you're on the Hicksville line, it'll go direct, but not on the Babylon line or something like that. All that's true, but what it, what it does allow is it's another option of getting there. It's not the primary option, but it allows another option to alleviate some of the traffic. Uh, I think if you look at it that way, it works. If you look at it and Brooklyn, where that was basically the primary way, it, it's not going to work. Now, of course, N six will be running past there. I'm guessing still, but. Well, where do where does this whole project go from here now that ground has been broken? So, so two things. Right? Number one, construction goes uh, forward ahead. I mean, they're uh, they started work in August. You know, this was a groundbreaking ceremony, but uh, technically, ground was broken. You know, quite some time ago, um, and and the arena takes twenty six months to build, according to the developers. So, they needed to start in August, right when the project got the approvals they needed. Um, to, to open up in time for October two, 2021. So, yes, construction is going to continue going. They want to open it up in time for the start of the 2021-2022 season, which sounds like a long time for now because of the 2021 part of it, but it's really only two seasons away. We're, we're two years away from it next month. Uh, and then the other thing is there's two lawsuits that are pending that are trying to stop work. Yeah, one from the Village of Fall Park, which is the neighbors to Belmont Park on the northwest side, and one from some civic groups in Elmont, uh, which is just more on, on the southern side of things. Those need to play out in the courts. It, it doesn't affect the development right now. Obviously, we'll see what happens when the courts hear those cases. Were there any protesters at this groundbreaking uh, that you that you saw? None that I saw. I mean, it was on the Belmont uh, property, and um, you know, you needed to get past uh, security to get in. 
Uh, you needed to get into the lot to begin with, then you needed to get past security, and then you needed to walk a good ways to get into the, uh, uh, the, the ceremony area. The ceremony area basically was held where the arena is going to be. Um, so uh, there, unless the only place the protest would have been on the street, uh, it, it's a tough place to do it. You know, I, I talked to the people of Floral Park beforehand. They said, you know what, we're not you know, going to protest. We're going to uh, you know, let them have their day, essentially. Uh, their issues more with the courts right now. And, uh, you know, it just seems like, and it was also a, an incredibly hot day for September 20-whatever. Uh, I know. So, this is not normally a September 20-plus day weather, you know? I I came home sunburned. I, I looked like I was at the beach. You know, it was, it was very Long Island, uh, you know, for that day. Well, and by the way, speaking of which, you had moved headquarters. Is that right? Out there on Long Island, Newsday did Newsday move? Did I see that on your on your social media? We did. We uh, we did our little our, our own little groundbreaking of a way. Now, Newsday moved not far, not even a mile away, uh, just a little north. Uh, basically, the long and short of it is that Newsday had a plant where we printed our own paper. We stopped printing it a couple while uh, while ago. So instead of uh, you know upgrading the facility here, it was they they found a um, an office space that better suited our needs, and they upgraded it. And uh, I'll tell you what, I, I walked in the first day. I guess that was. Uh, almost a month ago at this point. And uh, you know, although it's nostalgic to leave a, a place that's been your home for, uh, I mean, decades as well, uh, I've personally been there for 20 years, this new office is, a, is as new age and as modern as it gets, and it's uh, it's pretty cool. And by the way, I saw one of Jim's front pages being read on the LIR. I'm like, I got to share this and put it on my <laughs> social media at Alex G in NYC. Now, for horse racing fans out there that might listen to this, is there any concern for them with regards to Belmont Racing, now that all of this project is going underway? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, basically, uh, the Belmont people didn't, Naira, didn't really know what to anticipate. Uh, they had planned to move their fall meet or shorten it or move some of it to Aqueduct if need be, because the, the major thing they were concerned about was noise. They just didn't know how the noise of construction would impact the horses, who obviously, uh, you know, it's a stretch. At the littlest them. noise, they jump. I don't know if you, yeah. you, you've been there to Belmont, obviously, but one time this there was an idiot banging on the window as these horses were going from the paddock to the track and the horse was flipping out. So that was a dumb move to do, but you could tell how fragile their ears are to, the, to yeah. any noise. Yeah, and so basically, Naira has been uh, happy so far. They've been—they uh, said that noise has not impacted the horses so far. Now, obviously, it's a different stage of construction going on right now. But right now, they—they they announced, I think it was last week, that the fall meet's going to stay at Belmont, not moving to Aqueduct. So that's it for right now. I think they're going to take it on a year-by-year basis. We're really talking about, uh, you know, all of next year and then the then the following summer. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, they—they they really can't answer the question right now. Uh, and also, Belmont has. Uh, Naira has plans of their own renovation as well at Belmont. So, so you know, you would anticipate something's going to impact it at some point, but they're taking it uh, month by month to see uh, how it's going to play out. Now, if you haven't been to Belmont, where the but you are a horse racing enthusiast, where this is going to be is at the basically what the clubhouse is that the right the the three quarter pole turn towards the finish the, the you know the stretch mark there and and so if a horse is turning around the corner, here's the noise that is a bit of a worry. Uh, I, I guess I guess. Yeah, but uh, I guess they're they're also thinking that concrete won't be coming out of the ground uh, this fall in in the sense of for that arena right there. So uh, whatever they're doing to dig down or whatever is not of the same uh, magnitude for the horses that might be an impact, say, next year this time. And, and we'll have to see how that 
all progresses. Now, it's just amazing to me, Jim, that we have this project that's going to be done in 26 months, yet our federally run and, and state New York City run, their projects get done in like years. It's amazing the difference <laughs> between private versus public, isn't it? The one thing I'll say, though, is that City Field and Yankee Stadium were basically built in a very similar time frame. Uh, these arena built, uh, companies have it down pat. Now, they were, you know, the deals were structured differently, but both of those were also on, on public land, you know, obviously structured to, to make it work, but, uh, you know, for each specific uh, instance. But the arena uh, construction companies, they, they have a lot of practice. They're doing it all across the country. Uh, you know, we're seeing right now Seattle is getting a new, uh, you know, key arenas being built uh, or refurbished to, to host that new uh, uh, Seattle hockey team. So, you know, these, these companies stay in business and they know what they're doing. And, uh, and they make it look nice. City Field and Yankee Stadium are very beautiful places. City Field, though, is just it's such a friendly, confined place, whereas the stadium's big. And I'm sure you've gone to both of them, obviously. Yeah. What I like about them is how different they are. I mean, yep. uh, they were they were built at the same exact time, which when you think about it, is so crazy. But I, I really do like how, how you will never confuse one with the other. And and let's, because you're the sports guy there, I mean, I don't know many Yankee games are, and by the way, I know Jim because Jim happened to contact Rene Grone, who is having another Bat Boy event, by the way, October 27th, about who Mr. Steinbrenner knew uh, during his life. And the day Mr. S died, Jim Baumbach gave me a call and we did a nice article in Newsday. Jim did. And we were, he came to my studios, WQMC radio. Now I'm on a podcast. So crazy how time flies. It's amazing. What is that? Nine years now? Is that uh, a 2010? Yeah. Uh, 2010. Nine, nine years, nine plus years now. That is insane. And wow. then of course we ran into each other at Radio Row and Kevin Costner walked by and you were yeah. in all your glory that day. I was. He walked right by us, and we were actually taping on the spot. I, I was ready to jump out, tackle him, and give him. You know, he's a better spot than you, than I am. I mean, I'll admit that. So, uh, but I, I did not. I did not want to get thrown out of uh, you know the Super Bowl radio row. So I did not do it. But it was a highlight of our. I think I. I think we even have a tape of it. I think we. we oh yes, about it's it still on my SoundCloud. Uh, along with, I happened to catch up with Rudy that day and Kevin Harlan. I love Kevin Harlan the way he calls the game. Sure. I happened to see him. Um, Radio Row. So it was a, that was a beautiful day, and now we talk about everything else. You were the last you, on. You, you got you got a little. Sorry to cut you off, but you got a little Kevin Harlan in, in your voice. I don't know if anybody's ever told you that, but I I hear that Kevin Harlan pinch a little bit in, in your voice. You know what? I might just have to send you my. I did a bit of a play by play when I went to when I went to Baltimore to see the Bears play the Ravens, and I was like in the upper deck, but I was just turn on my phone and did play by play. Let me see if you think about that after uh, I send you the tape. <laughs> Sounds good. But let's talk about this postseason because obviously Yanks are in a great position, although they lost two two in a row now, but they're in a great position. And if everybody's healthy, this could be a very big run in, in October. Yeah, I mean, baseball playoffs, I mean, we, we've learned uh, through – through history that it's it's all about getting there and then it's a roll of the dice uh, you know the Yankees obviously did what they had to do in by winning the division and winning it uh, early on so now they can kind of set everything set, uh, up the way they want it which is what they're doing with getting like Hap uh, used to pitching that you know second man out of the uh, the bullpen type role with uh, trying out CC in the bullpen stuff like that I mean this is uh, the, the, you, you can 
Uh, draw it up every which way you want. This is what the Yankees would want. But what's going to happen in October, we have no idea. And that's the beauty of it. That's what makes it fun. That's why we'll be watching. Well, right. I mean, look, uh, Cleveland dominated the AL Central last year, but they got dominated in three games by the Astros. So anything can really happen. Now this year, Tampa Bay just looks good. And they're a very silent team. Like, no one's really talked about them. But here they are, 95-plus wins, and they are going to be in the wild card game, and that's. Such I a, love that franchise. I mean, that franchise is amazing. They just, they, I mean, and and to think about what they once were mm-hmm. and what they've become, it's it's fascinating. And and you know what? I think this was a big rebuke to, you know, trying to move them to Montreal and then mm-hmm. San Juan or whatever. This was a big answer to no. We are Tampa Bay, and they're proving it. It's just a shame that they just can't draw the crowd they deserve. And, and I don't know why that is, because they're winning. And usually everybody says winning cures all. We'll see in the playoffs. I mean, uh, I, I'm interested to see what they draw. But it's just uh, it, that's the one uh, true um, you know, shame of it all, is sure. that you still see those empty seats. Yeah, and it's been like that for years. Even in 08, they had a lot of empties yeah. while they were, you know, getting the World Series, and that was a tough World Series for them, but what a run under Joe Mann, what, his second year in there. Yeah, yeah, no, they've, they've. I mean, and that's, again, I mean, that's 08, so we're talking now uh, 11 years they've been doing it, I mean, and they've had to break it down, they've obviously had, but they, they have a system in place, I mean, sports teams like to talk about systems and process, I mean, that Tampa Bay has it down. All right, now i got to ask you this, does Pete Alonso with 51 break judge's record this weekend uh against atlanta it you know what i was thinking about that today i heard uh i heard people on the radio talking about it i was thinking it's going to happen i think it was the beningo talking about it was going to happen it's tough i mean you know this is tough because now that's the only thing to play for for them uh you know he's obviously you know proven that uh he's okay with the pressure but this is a kind of a different type of pressure i remember it was uh there was one year Jeter wanted to hit, uh, I think it was 20 home runs. And and, and I remember Torrey saying that he, he felt like he was really, uh, you know, uh, pressing a little bit. And that's Jeter. I mean, so it, it's, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I guess that's the long way of saying is that that's the only real reason to watch the Mets these next couple of days. And because, you know, Mets fans want to hold on to it because once once baseball's over, you miss it the next day. Sure. Um, but but that, that being said, it's, it's a tough thing to go up there. And now suddenly want to hit a home run, and knowing that you know really that's the only thing he's going to do. Now, that being said, all that being said, I, I've been. How do you not be impressed by this guy? Right. Uh, you know he's he, he's really never had that real big 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 slump. Um, you know if you look at his home run uh, dips, they've not been a, a drastic <laughs> nation. Uh, I. I I, I think um, it'll be fun. I, I, I'll be watching, but I, I can't predict. And, and two things I noticed about this this run for him and for the Mets, because they did go on a run here to get to a winning season, which is just when you start out and you see you get swept by the Marlins, you thought you weren't even going to be close to a winning season, yet it's going to be over 500 that they end, which is just spectacular uh, considering. But Alonso did two things. He didn't let the Derby really affect him post home run derby, and he drew two big walks in this playoff run, which showed that he has some patience at the plate. Yeah, no, and, and you, you forget how young he is because, you know, he, he and you forget that like a year ago right now, we, if you were asking like what's going to happen with the Mets next year, Pio Alonso would not be, you know, the 10th name mentioned. You know, it's, uh, you know it, it just shows you how much he's burst on the scene and how, 
you know, it's very, uh, it's very Aaron Judge like, and where it's just like, you know, and you know, obviously Aaron Judge was a little more hyped than we we were anticipating it, um, but it's just in the sense that Judge came up, and it seems like he's always been here before. Alonzo's done the same thing, and it's good for both of them to have some a player like that um, because it's good for baseball and it's good for the Mets and Yankees. All right, Jim, you're you're with Sports News A in the Sports Department, so gotta ask you this one more, covering all our bases here, Daniel Jones. Oh my goodness! No one expected him to have that debut. Am I right? It's funny. I was. Uh, I. I will admit to having not watched the game. Uh, I had uh, friends over that day at that very much time, uh, and we were watching the score on our phones. So we see that they were down whatever it was in the third, you know, going into the third quarter. So we're like, oh my goodness, you know what? And we're looking at his numbers, and we're like, okay, as long as he doesn't throw any picks as they're trying to, you know, air it out, you know, in the second half, you know, that's at least a good start for him. That's that's what we were saying. And then, you know, two hours go by, whatever, and uh, and it's, you know, we're having dinner, and we look at the uh, the, the phone again, and we see like twenty eight, twenty five, or something where it's like back a game, and we're, you know, we're like, oh my goodness, he made a game of it, and we're like, that's even better now. Now, you know, don't throw a pick, and you're you're okay. And then they leave. I look at the score and see what happens. And it's just following it along that way. It just it really shows you that this guy. Um, it, it, it was it was impressive. It was impressive, and that having seen none of it live, so and, I can only imagine what it was like seeing it live. And even this young for Eli, he wasn't able to scramble like Daniel Jones is able to scramble. I've never seen a giant quarterback this mobile. And tech- typically, Jim, I'm against running slash quarterback quarterbacks because I feel if you start to become a running quarterback, you are setting yourself up to be injured like RG3, and that always worries me. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, Two things uh, on that. Number one, uh, you know, He's obviously going to be compared to Eli, uh, and there's there's no fault in that. Uh, so I'll continue it here. People forget that it took a long time for Eli to find his footing here. I mean, he 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 was adequate the, his first couple of years. It wasn't to the Super Bowl the victory that he really showed that he that he belonged here. Uh, sure. There were questions even through that point because remember there was a lot of interceptions that for, the completion percentage was low. There was a lot of questions about him, and, and I I mean. I don't know. Uh, I'm not uh, keen on the Giants enough to know. I'd be surprised that Manning had a game anywhere near like this in his first couple of years. Uh, you know, besides, you know, anyways, that being said, now, number two, uh, I, I, I completely understand your concern about uh, the running quarterbacks. They, uh, they're excitable. They're fun to watch. Uh, you know, everybody wants them, uh, but they don't last. It's just an RG3 is a perfect example because he was as good as they came that first year. And, and it was like it was like a pop of the balloon and how quick his run. Very was. quick. And of course, I shouldn't say Manning didn't want to scramble because they wouldn't win the Super Bowl if he didn't scramble out to catch <laughs> Tyree like he did. I mean, that escape is probably it deserves to be on the NFL 100 top plays, which I think it's going to be, actually. I was at that Super Bowl. I was, uh, you know, one of the uh, little-known facts about sports writers when you cover games is that a lot of times in the big games, you're not actually watching the game live. You're watching it on TV in another room just because the sheer number of reporters that are there, they just can't fit them all in the press box. So I was in this uh, tent that was connected. Uh, it was a makeshift tent outside the, uh, the stadium. I guess it was Phoenix, I believe, if I was thinking correctly. Uh, it was uh, an outside tent. And um, I'm watching on TV, and I'm thinking, like, okay, we're coming down. This is the final drive. I'm like, I can't just 
come all this way and not see anything alive. So I make my way inside. I go into the you know the first floor uh, of the arena, you know, up above the, the seats, and I go and watch from you know behind the last row. Everybody's standing, and the first play I see is Manning going back, almost sacked. I think he's sacked. He's not sacked. He, he emerges out of it somehow. He was in that. He was in that. Uh, that the burst of people for a while that you thought they were going to blow the whistle. He was in it for so long. He comes out of it somehow and you just airs the ball up. And I remember thinking that's not going to end well. And then somehow, and now I mean, I was not close enough to see that. It, sure. I, I did not, I did not see the helmet thing until like hours later, because I mean, when you're in the crowd at a football game, you just don't see that. All I saw was the ball land. And then all of a sudden, you know, everybody's running downfield, and the the refs are calling first down, and you see Tyree getting up with it, and you're like, "How in the world did that play happen?" So right. I've always enjoyed that story. Well, and you know, Plaxico caught the the game winner that day uh, for the Giants, and people forget that the Giants went six and zero the next year, and then Plaxico gets into trouble, and that was pretty much the end until 2012. Weren't they like? Ten and one, or eleven and one, or something. One at the time of Plaxico, uh, they were they were up there. I mean, I thought they were almost undefeated going yeah. into that, and then things went downhill pretty quickly. Yeah, I think I if I were, uh, I, I'm going to guess they were like ten and one, and then after that, they I, they really uh, struggled at that point on, and it was because I think he uh, that the shooting thing took place right around Thanksgiving. It might have been the the weekend after Thanksgiving, and they just really uh, stunk it up in, in December. And I think they lost to the Eagles in the first round, and then that, that was the end of it. That was the end of the run. And, they, and, and you know, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it's, it's a shame because that team, I mean, obviously that team was, was better than the team before um, and at, at that point, and it just didn't work out for obvious reasons. All right, well, we talked Giants. Got to get your quick hit on the Jets. I mean, obviously they're going to lose to the Patriots. That's a given. But there has to be some hope. Do you think there's some hope because the defense looked okay against Brady? Yeah. Is there some hope? That's a good question. I mean, obviously in the NFL today, it all starts and stops with the quarterback. You know, the the Darnold, uh, you know, mono, which is you know very Mets like with uh, you know Noah's. Uh, I could all I could think about was the hand, foot, and mouth disease or whatever that was from a couple of years ago. I mean, you just don't hear NFL quarterbacks getting uh, mono. That was just a tough blow. I mean, I think if you're a Jets fan right now, uh, even though I think uh, you know everybody always wants to, uh, if you're going to lose, you want to lose big so you can get top picks. That being said, I mean the, the the Jets need some good vibes. The Jets need some good things going on, and uh, you know I think if you're, you know, do you still hope that they can, uh, you know, pull out and make the playoffs? I mean it's it's I, it, I laugh even saying it because it's so hard to believe given what they've looked like, but you just got to hope that Darnell. I think. Before you throw away and start thinking of the drafts and thinking like that, you just want to have some kind of respectability. You want to have, you know, that ability to uh, see some kind of future value in what's going on with this franchise. And you know, with a new coach and new GM, you you think there's a new start, and then it, you have that same same old feel again. So I think you just when he comes back and going forward, you just want to see some kind of respectability uh, going forward. And the weirdest thing of all is you talk about new GM, you talk about even the Giants, new personnel, and they're all canceling on WFAN now. That's kind of a travesty, but it is yeah. what it is. Now, I got to stop you here because I don't get to pat myself on the back too much, and that I've, as I've gotten older, and as I've become more of the sports reporter who doesn't cover sports, 
uh, and I cover everything off the field, I feel like I've lost a little touch with sports sometimes, and that's something I'm trying to get back in touch. Well, I'll tell you what, as we're talking, I look online, the Giants were 10-1 and one when Puck goes that. out of self. You yeah. still got it, Jim. You still got it here <laughs> on Be Real. believe it or not, they won the next week, you know, with that game at Washington. They won, so they were 11-1, and one, and then they ended up losing – three of the next four, and then obviously in the first round to the, the Eagles. So you called it, too. Crazy. Craziness. Now, you talk about the respectability. That's why the Giants' win mattered, because they weren't going to go on three. They had some light of hope, and that's why everybody was so excited. Now they could lose to Washington this weekend. Who knows, right? That's why they play the game. And yep. uh, to put a button on all this, the Islanders do, do, do a groundbreaking, but let's just look at the hockey scene. Jack Hughes and P.K. Subban in New Jersey. You've got... Kecko with the Rangers. You've got what Barzell? You got all of them with the Islanders. This could be three competitive teams in the NHL in New York and New Jersey, which we haven't had in a little while. Yeah, now ho- hockey's interesting because hockey is one of those. It, hockey's kind of become like the NFL, where like I mean, look at the Islanders last year. We would have been talking like, oh, it's a rebuilding year, and then all of a sudden they come together. Now a large part of that is obviously they they brought in uh, two winners in, in Lamarillo and, and Trot. So. Uh, they they are changing a culture or they are building a culture I guess at this point to uh, that the winning culture so and then obviously the the Rangers uh, they rebuilt the four there's no reason to think that this is not a, a winner here and obviously the Devils are uh, they looked really good uh, from what people are saying so yeah I think there's every 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 reason to believe that but the caveat is that in hockey I think it's uh, it's becoming like that NFL where you just, you just don't know so we'll see uh, two months from now this conversation could be very different. Now, uh, where can people follow you and your writings about the off the field, off the court, off the ice sports <laughs> maneuvers? I would say first, second, third, fourth, fifth spot would be Newsday. Newsday.com is, is a great spot for me. Uh, obviously, I'm on Twitter, Jim Baumbach, uh, uh, Twitter. But Twitter, you know what, I, I have found that Twitter is uh, can end up being a time suck. And I, I really try to uh, – I put news on there, but I try to direct you to, to back to Newsday because uh, anything of value that I'm doing, I'm sending to Newsday. Uh, you know, and I try to do it, you know, every day. It's a, every day is a new chance to do something good. So I love that quote. All right, Jim, thank Thank you so much for doing this uh, today, and, and please come back. We'd love to have you. Yeah, I, always fun talking to you. Next time, hopefully, Kevin Costner will join us, too. Yes, yes. All right, Jim. Have a great day, and uh, hopefully postseason goes well for New Yorkers. I'm Alexander Garrett. Keep it real once again. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you soon.